when my children were looking to go to to university and um I was I told them that I didn't tell them they had to but I was probably pretty yeah. insistent. <laughs> you had a strong view. <laughs> um, that yeah, I had a strong view um that they needed to go to what in the US we call liberal arts college. So you're not studying to become an engineer or to become a pharmacist. You are taking a broad range of courses. You have to take language. You have mm-hmm. to take um, philosophy. Excellent. You have to, you know, you have to study everything. And I said, because there's no way that you know now what you want to do for the next 30 years and what you need in this day and age, you need to learn how to love to learn. What's up, folks? I'm your host, Adley Christoffels, and you're listening to A Curious Life, the show where we delve into how the trait of curiosity has impacted the lives and careers of our guests. Campfire-like discussions that serve as a window into the essence of who they are. Today's guest, Pat Renzi, is a leader I have greatly admired from the moment we met. Her very presence inspires respect. But because of the person she is, the heart gives it gladly. So today, we get to find out the reasons behind the passions. So, Pat, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. Glad to be here. I cannot begin to tell you how much of an honor it is to be having this conversation with you, to be to have you on my show. I think, hands down, you are one of the most inspiring leaders that I've ever had the pleasure of working with. Hats off um, and much respect. Thank you very much. So, Pat, I normally kick off the show by asking people one simple question. Uh, what does curiosity mean to you? So whenever I hear the word curiosity, I always think of Curious George. And I love Curious George. And and the reason I love Curious George is because he just always wants to learn. You know, he just dives in and he's so excited about learning new things. And yeah. That's what curiosity means to me is just that that passion around learning new things and wanting to just you know dive in, explore, jump from thing to thing and just you know always want to learn more. So that's what curiosity means to me. That I think captures it mm-hmm. perfectly. So, okay, Pat, now again, you know, this is is a campfire like type discussion mm-hmm. um and essentially we're just going to talk about you. Um, and find out what's behind the woman, right? Um, and generally where we start with that is right at the beginning. So where you were born, parents, siblings. So um, I am the middle of three girls, um, and I was born in Westchester, Pennsylvania, so a small town outside of Philadelphia. Uh, my mother and father were both born and raised in Westchester, um, farmers. Okay. What kind of farmers? Uh, so my mother's family was, um, they had milk cows and then they also raised sheep. Okay. So did you grow up on a farm then? I did not. No, my, both my parents did. Okay. So your, your parents and their families were farmers. Yep. So, and my grandfather, um, on both sides, they, had farms so as a child we would go to 
the farms and so yeah understood okay so you used to the not necessarily just the fully kind of inner city life but the the, the big wide open world and which is the one that resonates with you most so so i'm assuming you've you've kind of have an association with with both mm-hmm. the open world as well as the inner cities or my until i went to university it was um even though i lived in you know sort of a suburban area um it was still everything was farmland around me and so going into philadelphia even though you know it's 30 minutes it was like a big trip right and so yeah yeah did you have to put in your sunday clothes oh or? absolutely <laughs> yeah Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was a big trip to go into the city. And, um, so, so definitely, um, you know, as a, a child, um, it was very much of a not city life. I w- it was, that was really foreign to me until I went away to university. With this kind of backdrop of curiosity, you know, most people don't necessarily remember the detail, but was there anything that stood out in that early life that you think has played a part in who you are today? Yeah, so um, I I think as the middle child, um, I was, maybe I don't know if I felt protected between not being the youngest and not being the, the pressure of the oldest child and and the freedom of being the youngest child, I felt like, um, you know, I think a lot of middle children feel like they were ignored, but I loved that because that allowed me to just kind of be myself. And so, um, so I was very curious and, um, and felt like I kind of had that freedom to, to do that. Explore. Yeah. Yeah. So when I was four, um, we had a house fire and, um, my father was killed and my younger sister was burned very badly. And I'm really so, sorry to hear that, Brad. So it was, uh, I mean, it was, it was traumatic, but it also was, um, the outcome of that was probably the most influential thing in my life in that my mother who had been, you know, stay at home, mom, mother of three took over my father's business ran it by herself, raised three children. And what was the business, sorry, Pat, just? Uh, he was a pharmacist. So he owned a little little local pharmacy and, you know, and, um, and she was a phenomenal businesswoman. She was just incredibly strong. And um, so seeing that was, that was really what drove me. Life-changing. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm assuming, I mean, that must have had, obviously, the, the, the tragedy of your dad, but also the strength of your mom and how she reacted to such tremendous tragedy, but with strength, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, you can imagine what were the things that drove her, her yeah. children, her kids, and, and it's, it's kind of a, well, it's game this time. This is what I have right? to do, right? I have, for for yeah. the sake of my children, life goes on. And as an adult, I think you you appreciate much more the emotion that she must have, you know, the, what she, you know, the sadness and the the loss that she was feeling. But, um, but we never saw that. It was just, you know, I'm, I'm moving forward. Of course. 
we're going to do this. And yeah. 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 And that takes strength. That takes strength of character. Okay. And, and, and then, and you were four at the time. So, so what, what, what are those, what are those next kind of years look like now as your mom is, is taking on this, this, the onus of this and building Mm -hmm. a business as, as you say, an exceptional businesswoman, but clearly also an exceptionally strong person. Yeah. So it was, um, you know, I have to say that, and you know, this is certain, certainly hats off to my mother, but I felt like I had kind of the most normal, happy childhood anybody could have. It was, I, it was, um, Oh, that's awesome. You know, we used to, uh, we used to help my mom in the store and, you know, do inventory. And it was one of these old fashioned pharmacies that had the soda fountain in it, you know, and the, and so, um, yes, 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 yeah, yes. Yeah. So it's more than a pharmacy. To, yeah. You know, so we used to help her, um, you know, get everything cleaned and, and make the, the simple syrup to make the different sodas. We'd help her with that on the, you know, and, and it was just, um, it was just fun. It was a, you know, it was a great life. We lived in this small town and, um, you know, we just rode our bikes everywhere and everybody knew each other. And so everybody was looking out for each other and it was just really, it was idyllic. And there's this, you know, there was this tragic thing that happened, but my mother never, we never felt that. Yes, yeah. I get what you mean. Yeah. And and were the, the community, it sounds like the community around her would have been supportive or were there issues, I, I guess going back a little while, was, was there, were there issues, the fact that she was a woman or were the community like completely supportive of it? No, it was, and this is probably the other thing that um, certainly drove me is that, and, you know, again, I didn't know this until I was in my late teens, but, um, but when my when my mom went to take over my dad's pharmacy, um, you know, she had just lost her husband. She had her, her youngest daughter who was two years old was in the hospital and was in the hospital for two years straight. And she was going to run this pharmacy and the bank would not turn the loan over to her as a female. Oh my word. Unless, she had to have her father, who was a retired farmer, sign it. Oh my word! I guess it was signs, mm-hmm. signs of the time, and yeah. maybe that's even where the question came from, mm-hmm. right? And and I guess part of that question mm-hmm. is is also just looking to understand mm-hmm. some of the things that drive you. You know, I mean, I know that that you are very driven by equality and fairness, and and you know, it sounds like these are the kind of things that that played a a kind of very important part or significant part in 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 that i think the other thing that you know as a um my was my younger sister um is is badly scarred from the fire and um when she was in school um we were in primary school and i i must have been in fourth grade and she would have been in second grade and um she would for uh, she was was like sick every day you know she couldn't go to school she was 
and um, they couldn't figure out what's going on. And the doctor said, you know, this is, she's just, there's like fear. She's sick to her stomach because she's afraid. Mm -hmm. And so what we found out is that she was being bullied. And um, so, you know, I am a very peaceful person. You are. But don't get him a bad side. Just beat that person <laughs> up. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, here I am, you know, and at that point, you know, girls wore their little yeah. dresses to school and, you know, I, you stood that up for your wasn't, I just, I stuck up, stood up for That's my what sister. We do. And, um, yes, I got, um, I, I got called into the principal's office, but I think you see those kinds of things and it's just that, um, those injustices, the inequities, the, the, you know, and so, and then also how my mother was treated. I know that I mean, we had very supportive neighbors who were willing to help her in, um, you know, like taking us places and things like that. But, but because she was a single woman, she was never invited to dinner parties. She was never invited to. And so I saw her being excluded and I saw my sister being, um, you know, being bullied or being being ostracized and I think those things just stick with you and so that has sort of become my calling is to really focus on those things and and just quickly how old are you? so what's the difference between you and your elder sister almost exactly two years okay and then 18 months with my younger sister understood okay cool and so 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 I, I guess from this point then, getting to this place where you were saying you're now a teenager and you now understand, or, you know, you got to understand a little bit more about what your mom has gone through. Why did that come about? And I'm assuming this is you in high school now, right? Yeah. So when I was in high school, um, I, it was, uh, it was my curiosity. <laughs> okay. I think that I just, you know, you, you see things and you look around. And so then I would just, ask my mother, you know, why is this happening? Why, um, you know, why are you not allowed to do this in your business? Why are these things happening? Um, you know, there was a chamber of commerce in our little town and, um, my father was actually the president of the chamber of commerce before he was killed. And then, uh, after that, they wouldn't allow my mother to join, but they would let my sisters and I attend like their Christmas parties. But we had to be taken there by one of the other businessmen in the community. Uh, and okay. you see these things. And so then, you know, you just kind of as you're when you're younger, you see it. But then as I go, got older, I would, I asked. You ask why? Yeah. And I was like, well, this doesn't make sense to me. Why is it this way? And, um, yeah. And you just, you start to see those things. And then I realized the challenges that my mother had and how strong she had to be to just, um, you know, to move through that and to be, I mean, she was a yeah. phenomenal mother. She was so involved in our lives and yet she was trying to run this business with all these headwinds. And, um, you know, so as you get older and you start to just question those things and you put it all together. I guess it's even more so because it's avoidable because it's simply someone's mindset that happens to be off center that makes 
a situation that is already unthinkable worse because of the way that you think, you know? And no, I'm with you. So what was the thing that got like the business through that phase? Was it like additional support from the community coming to buy more stuff or because it was anyway central to the community and the kind of only pharmacy? And the, mm-hmm. Was there anything that made it easier for your mom or that helped? So I think that um, it was fairly central to the um, to the this little small town that we lived in. Um, there were two pharmacies in the town. I mean, my mother was she just was very you know persistent, and she was okay. she was um, she was really a good business person. She was she by training as a nurse, and so. Um, so what she did was she said, you know, I need to lock in contracts with the hospitals and with with like nursing homes and because she understood how that all worked. And so um, so she just went and you know talked to people that she knew at the hospital where she had used to work. And then she would you know, went to nursing homes and just, and she locked in these contracts and she expanded the business and it really thrived. So, you know, it, it's stories like that, that just makes me, I kind of almost, you, you feel, it's almost like you feel inside it. Like, yeah, come on, I'm, I'm yeah. ready to rock. Bring it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. Oh, she was, yeah, she was, uh, she really, she drove the business forward. Yeah. Oh, that, okay, cool. And and from that point then, so, you know, from the point at which curiosity leads to, I now understand a little better what my mom has gone through and, and more importantly, what she achieved against all odds, mm-hmm. you know, from, from that moment then, you know, wh- what does it look like throughout the rest of high school? Mm-hmm. So, um, at, at that point, um, I'm not sure that I... You know, it was, I certainly wasn't sitting there saying, you know, I'm going to, this is what I'm going to do. I was, but I was very focused on um, sort of making her proud. Right. And so it was, I'm going to do well in school. I'm going, uh, you know, I'm going to, um, I'm going to get a good job. Um, I am going, I'm going to make something, help her. I'm going to, I'm going to do something. Right. And it was more just, um, it was not so much about that. It wasn't even really seeing what she had been through. It was just knowing that it was really important to her that I succeed. Yes. And so that was what was really driving me was just to make her proud. Oh, well done. And I mean, she has to be. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, and, yeah. you know, never mind the success. It's, I keep saying this, Pat, but you as a person are just phenomenal <laughs> uh, you know well that's my mom okay. that she was a phenomenal person she was um yeah um okay so 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 how did that influence then what you studied so i'm assuming this drive to make her proud and to make something of yourself and to help her and you know has resulted in good grades so mm-hmm. how does that influence or how do you go about choosing what to study mm-hmm. at university so um I, when I first went to university, I wanted to, to be a doctor and, um, and that was really driven by, um, you know, her being a nurse and being in the medical profession and, um, you know, wanting to just, you know, show her that I could do it because she had such 
Um, you know, she was, I'm sure she was proud of what she accomplished, but she, as a nurse, she just really um, had strong admiration for doctors. And so I said, all right, I'm going to do that. And um, people told me that you should be a physical therapist. You know, you're a girl. It's too hard, you know. And Oh, my word. I guess that was like a bull to a red flag. <laughs> I guess I'm becoming a doctor exactly. then. <laughs> exactly. It was like, you know, tell me I can't do it, and that's what I'll do. Um, although as I, you know, once I got uh, into school, I realized that um, every time I see blood, I pass out. So I thought maybe that's <laughs> the best okay. <laughs> okay, maybe a little slight flow in the pen there. <laughs> Yeah, but um, but I I always loved math. I mean, I just and and I think that's curiosity too. You know, math is just um, math just leads you to be curious, right? It's just it's kind of the underpinnings of everything, and so it's um, so always and you can you can discover so much through math. So I always loved math. So um, so I decided I would major in math. Um, but I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do um, with that. Um, and so um, when I graduated, I started um, I started graduate school in statistics and then um, was working part time at Geico Insurance Company. And um, so that's another a little aside, but another sort of sign of the times is when I went to apply for um they had a um, like an accounting position open that was, you know, they said, you know, you have to be strong in math. And I thought, oh, I'll apply for that. So I went and applied for that. I was in the HR department and um, I filled out the application and they said, OK, you need to come here and take a typing test. I'm like, why do I have to take a typing <laughs> test? Right? You know? so I'm like, who, who has a typing test? You know, so so I said, fine, you know, told me to do that. I'll do it. And so I took the typing test and they said, you're really not very good at this typing thing. <laughs> and I was like, well, no, but, but why do I need to be? And she looked at, and, and she looked and she goes, Oh, you're, I thought you were applying to be a secretary. Oh my word. You know, young female, that must be what you're doing. You know? And I'm like, well, I, you you clearly don't want me to fill that position. Not sure this job is for me. <laughs> and when you went down the right, like to the right people, so I got the job as the in the accounting department, and so I was working in the accounting department, and it was the <laughs> worst job ever. I mean, it was just, it was you know getting these huge printouts from. Um, you know, out of their uh, mainframe computer, you know, those big green and white sheets that were all connected and you had to take those and then manually, Oof. yeah, and then manually reconcile what was, and so it was just, it was horrible, you know, the adding <laughs> machine on the desk and it was just, oh, it was horrible. So I was, but I was doing this because it was really close to where I was going to school so I could walk and, and then as it happened is that, um, Geico was um, going to start a life insurance operation. And so they had brought in a gentleman to be the president of that operation. And he was sitting in the accounting department while they were trying to figure out 
how to do this. And, and he was an actuary. And um, someone told him that I was had graduated with a, a with a math degree and was now taking you know statistics. Um, and so he stopped by my desk and said, "Did you ever consider being an actuary?" And I said, "I have no idea what an actuary is, but if I can stop doing this, I'm in." <laughs> 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 and so, um, so it was just so fortuitous it was the but it was incredible because it was it was him who he was a, an actuary but he was the president um he had a chief actuary he had a chief marketing officer a chief underwriter and i was the grunt work person for all of them yeah okay i was just gonna say did you become a chief as well? <laughs> i was the i was the chief of doing whatever anybody else needed you to do and but um but by doing that, oh, I learned everything. I just learned everything about what an insurance company does and needs. And, and it was so, in, oh, it was incredible what I learned. Oh, man. And um, so I was, was, um, was working with them. And part of what they needed was they needed somebody to help them set up their systems. And um, I had minored in computer science. And so I said, all right, tell me what you need. Yeah, I'll and do it. So, um, <laughs> so it was just, I just learned so much and it was just, a, it was incredible. And, and um, being able to be a part of that was, um, was phenomenal. And that's what really got me into insurance. Ah, I see. I, I mean, how, what better way? Because because here's the thing with curiosity, right? Is especially if you if you have a curious mind, you want to understand where things are coming from, why decisions were made, where it's going, what do they do with it? But this sounds like because you're setting it up, you you have to understand this thing end to end, and you're doing little bits and pieces, so you're getting deeper into like yeah. everything. Yeah. And and oh, that sounds phenomenal yeah it was so it was incredible yeah as, as a quick aside and it sounds like this is actually one of the th i mean this completely resonates but one of my previous guests he studied maths because he wanted to delay um his decision on what he wants to do you know because in his words math more teaches you a way of thinking rather than perhaps something else that you would study and this is how you go about things, you know, and then you can apply the thinking of maths to multiple things. So <laughs> you want, you kind of wanted to be a rock star <laughs> and went, okay, you know what? But mom said, you know, get a real job. So he thought, let me study math, push that on and see if my rock star, <laughs> my rock star um, career takes off. But, um, but like, like, just like you said, you know, just now it's, it's math isn't necessarily about choosing a job. It's about yes. studying something that helps you think a certain way. Yeah. I think that that's a, that's exactly right. Mathematics is just, um, it teaches you to solve problems and to think about problems in different ways. And, um, you know, you see something and then, and I think math teaches you to not assume and to just come at you know, to really look at what's there. And so, um, which serves you well in anything you do. Okay. No, I, I completely agree. So, okay. So now you understand everything about an insurance company yeah. at a level of detail yeah. and you're working with all of the chiefs and by, by extension, 
their experience is kind of filtering down into you. And by the sound of it, you're like a sponge at this point is like absorb, right? So, so where does it go to from there? Do you help them kind of see this thing through and set up this life insurance division? I did. I stayed there. Um, so we got it set up. We got it up and running, got our licenses, started selling business. Um, I think it was about 12 months that it took us to kind of get that all in place. And um, and then I stayed there for five years and okay. um, and just really loved it. It was a it was just it was such a great experience. Um, and the people that I worked with were phenomenal. I think the other thing I learned during that five years was um, as I you know, being a part of setting this insurance company up and really understanding how it all worked, the marketing, the the product development, the underwriting, understanding how it all worked. Um, I really learned to appreciate the value of insurance and, um, and that, you know, insurance is, it's just a, a social contract and it's a, it's um, well uh, I tied it back to um, with my family which I hadn't really appreciated as I was younger but when I started working in insurance I realized that because we had homeowners insurance my mother was able to have the home rebuilt because we had my father had life insurance um, my mother had funding to get us through school and and sure. um, things like that because he had uh, business insurance she was able to close the business for a period of time and and had you know like business interruption insurance so she was able to keep things going um, you know it was just I realized that it's our social safety net and how important insurance is to us as a society. And so I became very passionate about the field of insurance or the industry. I see. I mean, that would typically be quite the opposite you get from the, you know, the public at large. Um, people wouldn't normally look at insurance and go, I see the value. They'd go, I'm paying for this thing and I'm never using it. But, you know, and what you're saying, and rightfully so, is that it's not about when it's going well, right? Insurance isn't there for when things are going well. Insurance as a concept is there for when things aren't going well, you know, and it's kind of mitigating the risk of things happening. Exactly. And um, so we're off track here a little bit, but from my perspective, the um, you know, I, I really do like really believe in the value of insurance and in, in how it can, um, you really provide those safety nets that we all need at different points in time. Yeah. But the insurance industry does a terrible job of communicating that um, to the public. Yeah. And maybe even in the way that they set up certain products. And, Absolutely. And, you know, I, th I think that it's not that the public doesn't have any merit. It's, you know, it's just that some of the ways they go about doing business um, supersedes the benefit of it um you know and we, we're going to get onto this in a second but i but but i think maybe this is you know where the whole concept of insertech similar to fintech comes in is is these new innovative businesses that are growing up that are cognizant of 
the human side to it and the pragmatic or the practical side to products like insurance or services like insurance. Um, and I'd love to get your view on that, actually. Um, but j- just so we, we don't lose the moment here then, right? Um, in those ensuing five years where you were learning so much, you're loving the people that you're working with, did you use that time also to kind of then become an actuary? I'm assuming this is definitely the thing that inspired you to be, but... Yeah, yeah. During that time, I was taking actuarial exams and then... But I did during that period, um, I stopped taking actuarial exams, so I'm not a qualified actuary. And the reason I stopped taking actuarial exams is because I realized that what I really loved was building the system infrastructure. Understood. But I tied those together, that it was important to me that I was building the system infrastructure for actuaries who were really the critical piece of making sure that insurance value was realized for the policyholders. And- Understood. However, I mean, that is a massive surprise to me because you, you are so knowledgeable on, on that topic. And I guess it's through the years of experience that and the things that you've been exposed to and curiosity. And curiosity, yeah. Because what you've learned isn't restricted necessarily by a piece of paper. Right. The piece of paper in this case might govern what you can become. So you can't be, you know, maybe head actuary at an insurance company if you don't have the qualifications and and maintain them. But that doesn't restrict the value that you can add to that setting. That's right. And I think that's true in anything, right? It's um, 100%. You can, if if you're curious and you, you know, if you're like Curious George and you just want to really understand things and you dive in and you just want to be a lifetime learner, yeah. Um, you can, you know, you can build that knowledge and you can can deeply understand exactly uh, anything and everything. It's not about what did I study in university. Yeah. In fact, a lot of the times, young adults <laughs> making a decision on what to study. You know, I mean, the pressure because they think that it's it's this one decision that will govern what they do for the rest of their life, right? And yet, you come out the other end of those three four years. And their first job out of university has nothing to do with what they've studied. Right. You know? Um, yeah. And, and I think the whole concept of learning and the whole world of academia, especially in technology, which is, you know, what, what's closest to my heart, three, four years in and what you've learned could already be obsolete. It's completely, yeah. And I, when, um, when my children were looking to go to, to university and... Um, I was, I told them that, I didn't tell them they had to, but I was probably pretty yeah. insistent. <laughs> you had a strong view. <laughs> that, yeah, I had a strong view um, that they needed to go to what in the U.S. we call liberal arts college. So you're not studying to become an engineer or to become a pharmacist. You are taking a broad range of courses. You have to take language, you have mm-hmm. to take um, philosophy, Excellent. you have to, you know, you have to study everything. And I said, because there's no way that you know now what you want to do for the next 30 years. And what you need in this day and age, you need to learn how to love to learn. Exactly. Because how do you know what you like if you haven't been exposed exactly. to it, right? Curiosity is also a discovery of self because you discover what you like. 
And yes, it's yeah. also a, you know a discovery of of information or knowledge, um, but it's probably first and foremost a discovery of self in that you learn what you like and what yeah. you want to know more of. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very true. But yeah, I think that, um, and as you said, especially in technology, it just is changing so fast yeah. that um, that. W- you, you have to love to be curious and you have to love to want to learn because it's a constant relearning. A quick shout out to our sponsor, Heights. In their words, Heights makes smart supplements and clever content with the world's leading experts to help us take care of our brains so it can take care of us. I came across Heights when I set off on a trip and surprisingly, it's still going where I wanted to take better care of mind, body, and soul. So along with doing more exercise, drinking less alcohol, drinking more water, I wanted to be intentional about doing things that would help my mind be sharper. Long story short, I came across Heights and found the short, snappy podcast episodes with qualified experts quite enlightening. But as my wife would no doubt agree, I've always been a huge skeptic when it comes to supplements and never felt compelled to take it regularly. Even my daughter got involved in trying to make sure I take the ones we have at home, <laughs> but not even that helped. Yet, here I was, receptive to new things, so I took the plunge with an initial three-month subscription, and I'm still a customer today, and feeling great for it. Now I have no doubt that how I feel is as a result of all the changes i made, but I'm convinced that the supplements is playing its part. So if you want to give it a go too, wander over to yourheights.com and use a Curious Life 10 at the checkout for a 10% discount. So now these the five years. How do we? How does that end of that five years get us to to Milliman? Mm, yeah. So um, so during that five years, um, I also had two children. So um, so during that that period, and and um, after we had our second child, we said, you know what? It's really hard not living near family, yeah. and um, it's so. So it's, yeah. So we moved um, back to the Philadelphia area to live near where my family was. And, um, and so that was, uh, that was the only reason I left that job. I still, I loved that job. It was just, but anyway, so I took another job and I was um, doing, I was working at an insurance company and I was sort of the liaison between the actuarial and the IT department. And, um, which was, you know, it was interesting, but it was kind of a big established insurance company. And so it just felt a little bit stale. So, um, I stayed there for a couple of years and then I had an opportunity to, um, set up the, um, the reporting systems, the actuarial reporting systems for a company that was a fairly new um, annuity retirement company. And so I thought, all right, this will be fun because it was going to have be looking at both assets, liabilities, looking at the the risks. And so, um, so I took that job, which was really interesting and I enjoyed that. Um, but uh, as a part of that, I, was interacting with a software company that was selling software that 
um, could do this. And so um, we started, we were using their software. And um, so they asked if I wanted to join them. And um, so it was a small kind of consulting organization yeah. that developed software. Based in Philly. They were, they were actually based in DC, but they let me work from home, which was very unusual at that time. Yeah. Not like today. (laughs) Yeah. Not like today. Yeah. I mean, we didn't even really have like company email. Ah. It was, um, so they would communicate to me by sending me a fax, (laughs) 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 but it was, so it was interesting. But, um, so, um, so it was all good, you know, I, and I really enjoyed that. And I loved, that was another, it was a really fascinating job. It was um, because it was, um, they were a really dynamic company. Mm-hmm. I was get, I got involved in sales. I got involved in customer support. I was doing development. It was just, it was really, um, it, it was, I was learning a lot. It was very broad and I loved and, it. And was this also kind of where the, you know, building a product and building a system was instilled or the experience that you got from it. Yep. And I think what I really, um, what I loved was that you were building something and, and providing it to a broad audience, right? It wasn't just for building something for this particular organization. It was building something that was, um, was going to be broadly applicable and valuable to the yeah, market. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So scalable, repeatable. Yeah. 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 So I love that. And um, and then that company, um, the owner um, decided he was going to sell it, and um, and and he did. And so I stayed with the company with the new buyer, but the new buyer um, was a software company, but they didn't really appreciate that the software product that we were building was very dependent on the specialized expertise that we yeah. had of, you know, with our actuaries. Yeah. And so, um, so we just wanted to kind of put it in runoff mode, which was not very interesting to me. So that was when I joined Milliman. Okay. And, um, and when I so when I joined Milliman, um, they had a similar product to what um, we had built at this other company, but it was just being used internally. And so, um, so and, and is that within consulting services or within okay, their yeah. consulting services? Yeah. So it was used to support their the consulting work that they were doing. Um, and so they said, "Well, I wonder if we could." sell this and um and not just you know use it internally but have a commercial product yeah marketable commercial commercial product Um, and so that was why they so they brought me in gotcha okay help them do that to bring it to market and and um i guess the experience now i mean is almost like a perfect runway to this yeah exactly i don't think i ever thought about that but you're right Yeah. yeah it's it's um all of these things are very similar, right? It's kind of this, let's start something from scratch. So you're right. Those are the things that I, um, so I appreciate you pointing that out, but that's what I love is kind of the, just building something from scratch. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So within Melamin then, so, so you started, you're there to create 
a commercial product from something they found value in using internally. Do you, do you want to kind of take us through how we got to today? Yeah. So, um, so it was an interesting journey. And um, so when I first got there, um, you know, it was just an internal product and um, we pretty quickly, um, well, it seemed quick within, I guess about three years, we were really the market leader in the U S. And so um, we were certainly aided by the fact that that other company that I worked for yeah. because they sold it and that company wasn't really paying attention. Yes. Um, there were a lot of unhappy customers out there of theirs. So we were aided by, by the fact that they were sort of falling down on the job. So, um, so we grew the business, um, you know, pretty substantially over three, five year period. So you had one heck of an influence or impact rather from the word get go. Yeah. And not just me. I mean, there was, it was, we brought a team of people in that um, many of us worked together from in that other company and we kind of congregated back. And um, so it wasn't just me by any stretch of the imagination. Okay. Um, but we had a great team of people and really it was, but at that point, I think, you know, when, as we grew, we were operating um, that business where we really, you know, were the market leader in the U S um, we were operating with about 10 people. Oh, wow. Well done. And, um, yeah, so it was really, um, you know, really, it was, it was very exciting because it was a little bit like, um, that initial job that I had at Geico where we had 10 people, but everybody did everything. Yes. Yes. Right. Yes. You know, it was and an um, impactful team, a very impactful yeah. team. And, um, so it was, so that was really fun. And then, we got to a point after about it was after about five years that we said, you know, we need to um, we, we need to shore this up a bit. We need to bring in some um, some more people and have a little bit more structure. Uh, and we grew to about I think we doubled and we had about 20 people. Wow. But we um, you know moved the product forward quite a bit. Um, and then in um, 2009, um we got contacted by um, Phoenix in the UK. Um, we had no presence in the UK at all, but the reason that they contacted us was that they had seen uh, an article that we were um, that we had made our system um, scale and work with. IBM. So we were using data centers that you could rent time. I understood. Um, okay. And they didn't want to build a big data center for themselves. And so gotcha. they were curious about that. And so that's what started the conversation. The product that we have now is so much expanded from yeah. that just core actuarial engine. And that really was driven by that partnership with Phoenix. Okay. Um, you know, when we first started talking with them, they wanted that computational capability yeah. and they wanted to outsource that computational capability. But as we started talking, what they really wanted was something was a platform that was going to allow them to reduce the amount of uh, manual work that people were having to do. And, um, 
and have a real governed production type of an environment. And so that led us to shift from our, um, what I call sort of the, um, you know, the calculation, the actuarial systems at that point, including um, ours in, in Milliman, were, um, were ad hoc tools for actuarial departments to um, put on their desktop and manipulate it and make it do what you wanted it to do. But moving that into production required something very different. And companies were struggling with that. And so we said, well, let's build a, a system platform that allows you to have that kind of development ad hoc environment, but put a lot of control around it and, and then have the ability to promote that into production and run it in production, build the automation around yeah. it. And then we said, we should be doing data as well because actuarial models are so dependent on data why don't we put a data platform in here too? Why don't we just want the actuarial calcs? And so, um, so we expanded it from there. So, so now we have about 170 so people amazing. and, um, it's just, you know, it's, it's been such a journey, but that shift from that desktop actuarial ad hoc type engine, that was what, actuaries were used to buying in the market to saying that's not what you need you need a platform that allows you to manage data you know visualize the results drill down into the results run that engine um, and be able to you know manage all the change around it and you need this much bigger platform and so it was again a little bit of a we're starting from, from scratch. scratch. Yeah, yeah. I, I was just going to call that out because you know you you said maybe twice within this interview, right? I loved doing what I'm doing, and whenever you said that, it was because you were in a position where you are number one, learning and continuously learning, um, but two creating something that is bigger than just a specific point in time or a specific problem set, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I, I guess just for the listeners, this is also where I met Pat. I, I can clearly see the influences throughout your life that has kind of gotten you to that point. Um, but also, you know, the passion and what you have a passion for and why you were perfectly suited to for this particular point in time where you've taken or kind of a a desktop product as you call it something that you were uh, one of the team a part of the team in building to begin mm -hmm. with from an intel product to a commercial product scaling that to be you know uh, one of the best uh, or leader in in the US scaling that yet again with bringing the right people on board and now this is like next generation you know, and that Absolutely. was that was ten years ago. I mean, we're not even talking about where it is today, or your your desire and your your kind of ambitions for tomorrow, right? Where we're going to go? And it's 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 just so interesting that curiosity throughout all of this has played such a fundamental part, and a natural curiosity in wanting to learn and being happiest when you're learning. And that is. Um 
you know, again, I don't think I've ever thought of it that way, but, um, but it is true. I, um, I am happiest when, um, there's, when there's something new, when it, when it has to be created, when you have to visualize it, it's not there already. It's like, let's, yeah. this is an idea. Um, I don't like to just say, here's the idea, build it. I love to just collaborate and talk with people and say, what, what's going to work, what's not going to work, and just be in the middle of that, you know, building the sandcastle. Because this was actually, I mean, it, it was exactly that. It was bu building a system which was really new, but had something to build off. You know, it had a platform, it had a foundation rather, but it is it is really something completely new. And And even at the start of it, like you were saying, you know, perhaps the intention was let us create a calculation engine that can scale. But as you as you learn more and as you're exposed to additional data points, you go, well, this is a natural extension, you know. Mm -hmm. And and the the other thing that I find so interesting is that th this isn't just learning for the sake of learning, but all throughout, you know, you've used the experience that you've gained to. And and through that curiosity, kind of that you've added additional, almost additional pieces of the puzzle to the core, you know, because mm -hmm. that's how I see it. Right. It's like, this is what I like at, at its core, you know, um, but how do I expand what I already know? And how do I learn new things that is a natural complement to kind of the general direction that I want to travel in? Um, not, not, not specific, right? Because... How else are you mm -hmm. going to learn if you already know where you're going? Right. But yeah. but it is something that is complementary and something that adds to your general uh, area of curiosity, I guess. I mean, from my experience, I think that to you know to really, I'm going to say, be successful, but it's to maybe have um, to have a career that is fulfilling and and that I, it's the curiosity is so critical to it because. Um, you know, certainly with what we do, the worst thing that you can do is to go to a, a company and say, this is what you want. Don't tell me what your needs are. I'm telling you, I've, I already know what it is. Yeah. This is what you want. And, um, and I think if you're a curious person, you don't want to do you that. You don't, because then you put yourself in a box. Exactly. And so, um, and so to me, that's the most, it's, it's personally satisfying, but it also just leads to, um, you know, professional growth and to the growth of your business when you are curious and you're trying to collaboratively solve the needs of your customers yeah. and of the market instead of just assuming that you know what's best. No, correct. Let me ask you this then, Pat. And this is this is kind of a a, a a parallel to what you were saying. So so the way that I see that I see your product, the way that I see the organization is that the problems that you solve and the way that you go about solving the problems has been informed by a deep experience and and an understanding of the stakeholders or the community that you're solving the problem for. However um, you still need the flexibility to go that there will still be differences. 
Absolutely. Where yes, where we are now from where we were in 2010. Absolutely. And and I mean this for the customer, right? Yeah. Is is when you come in with with what you have, it, it is starting off with a stronger base, but saying we still do understand that not everyone is the same, and exactly. we but we can yes. adjust to it, and and I think where you were in 20, 2010 to where you are now, of course, it's different because. Mm-hmm. You were, you walked in there with a company saying, well, we like what you do on IBM data centers and, and the idea behind it. But that one conversation has turned into what you have today. Give us a view of, of where you've landed today and, and mm-hmm. some of the more interesting or curious thing moments that has inspired where you have landed today. Yeah, sure. So... Um... Let's see, where we've landed today is, as you said, we really have um, a broad platform that looks at the, the needs of actuarial and risk departments in insurance companies and says, what do you need to do your job? You need data. You need calculations. You need control. You need to be able to explore and understand the information coming out of those engines. And how do we put all of that together so that um, it's, in, it's in one place and it's, it's giving you, it, it's, it's providing actuaries and risk managers with sort of everything they need to be able to really understand the business so they can drive the right decisions within the organization. Yeah. In the past, that's all been in different places, right? And it's somebody controls the data and somebody else controls the reporting um, and somebody else is controlling the engine and, um, and it's hard to pull all of that together. So. Um, so we've built this platform to pull it all together and, you know, frankly, we're, we're using that platform now to work with different companies and understand what, what else could it be doing? What is it that it's not doing quite right? So it still never stops. Yeah. Um, is it scaling the right way? It never stops. There's more and, um, you know, for me, it's kind of always looking forward, but, but right now, um, you know, it's exciting for companies to say, I can have all of this in one place. But to me, what's exciting is now that you have all of this in one place, what exactly. do you do with it? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and that's where we get to data, right? Because now we have all of this data in one place. How do we tie this together and how do we use it to drive our decisions and to drive to drive value for the company, but also to drive value for the customers. Probably more importantly, because driving value for the company will almost intrinsically come to to a point if you deliver value to your customers. Yes. Like mm-hmm. what you were saying earlier, right? How did this this notion of you realizing the value of insurance and that being contrary to how most people would see it? How has that influenced what you have landed with today and and what you do? Um, I think it influences it um, significantly. For me, as I look at 
what we're doing. Um, I'm not just trying to build the best software product, right? It's understanding that what we are doing can help solve some of society's biggest problems. And, and give us an example in what way? Yep, retirement. So we have a retirement crisis globally. It's not, you know, and um, so insurance needs to be a leader in that um, and, and, and is, but not in an accessible way. Um, because of some of the things that you talked about, it's the lack of trust, um, the lack of transparency. Um, we're not leading as we should be. I think that um, my view is that the insurance industry has focused on helping wealthy people have better retirements, but they're not focusing on solving the retirement crisis which is where the people who you know aren't already well set for retirement, we're helping them, you know, increase the value of the money that yeah. they already have. So, um, so I think that if we have, what I want to do is make sure that insurance companies have the right information, the right tools to be able to really dig into and see how they can can solve those problems because it's this industry is best placed to do that um and i think that you know what we've you know this is maybe from a, a the way that the, the markets are set but you know insurance companies as with any company you have to deliver to of your course, shareholders yeah. and so you're focused on that and a way to do that is to you know from a retirement perspective well let's sell to mm -hmm. wealthy people because that's going to give Thank us yep. good margins um, if we can make it easier by having a really strong platform to get good margins on selling to everyone then that's how those things tie together, Completely. right? So, so what, you, what you're saying essentially is how do we use the wealth of data that's available in a single platform, allowing businesses to make better decisions on things like pricing or or the type of products they have, um, you know, because all of those mm -hmm. things, I guess, would be what allows them to potentially scale, right? So you can sell to more people. And even if the margins are less, if you make a smaller margin on more, it still ends up with with increased profits, right? Right. Um, yep. and, and there's no begrudging businesses for doing that. That's the way the cookie crumbles. That's the way of the world. That's, you know, how sure. this thing keeps turning. Yeah. Um, but but I, I love it because ultimately data becomes the, the focal point. Um, and becomes the primary enabler to greater insights that will allow better decisions. Brings me on to my next question, actually, um, is that I absolutely fundamentally believe that everybody accepts the value that data brings, you know, and, and companies will either die or survive or thrive by it, more so now going forward, you know. Um, and I... I 
I think it is kind of our collective responsibility as anyone working with data to ensure that the value of data is realized. In fact, scaling the value realized from data is maybe a better way to put it. How do you think, within your area of expertise, you will kind of pick up that mantle and enable better, faster decisions with data at scale? So um, I think that with, you know, for, again, our our focus is very narrow from the perspective of we are working with insurance and we're working with the um, the the financial information associated with insurance and risk management. Um, but how we can use data to drive better decisions is because we can with with technologies that are available now. Um, you have the ability to just scale the amount of data that you're looking at. If you think about how actuaries are sort of have generally been working is you get to a particular, you know, I want to understand what my business looks like today. And so you say, you know, well, here was the data at the end of April and I'm going to take that data and I'm going to run it through my engine and I'm going to get some information. But if you have a scalable data platform, you can have data at a very granular level across many periods of time. And you can look then at, here's the value of each of my customers over a long period of time. Here's how they, here's some of the, the actions that they have taken, the transactions that they have made over that same period of time. Are there some nudges that I could provide that would allow that customer to increase the value of their policy? We don't have access to that information, um, or most companies don't have access to that information where they can do that. If you have um, putting this big data platform in place, you have all of that information. And that, you know, it's not just the value to the customer, it's also the value to sure. the company. Um, and so, um, and, and it's at, you know, aggregate levels and it's at the policy level and, and you could do that on your asset portfolios as well. And you can, it's just, there's so much information that you have. And when you stop looking at it just at a, as a snapshot, what does it look like today? But you see the trends and you see how things are changing. You can gain so much more insight from that. And fr from, a, from a practical perspective, doing this will allow you to make more granular and accurate assumptions on the models that you run because your understanding of the data is so much more granular. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It has a material impact. Yeah. There's definitely, um, you know, from a, from a cost perspective for insurers, there's, um, you know, they're having all of this information and having the technology platform around it, it allows them to get more with yes. less. And so then what I see the value is that you take those people who are no longer having to glue things together and try and make assumptions, you free them up to figure out how can we yeah. innovate? How can we help solve the retirement crisis? How could we develop new kinds of products that are going to be accessible to different 
levels in the market instead of just selling to um, high wealth individuals. Yeah. You know how so you free those people up to really look at new problems and new, or new yeah. solutions, um, and they have data yes. to do it. Yeah, uh, yeah, I love that. You know, and and especially that even though within your area of expertise and within what is considered a niche kind of I guess application of data, the societal gains. The potential societal gains are humongous because, as you say, you know the the natural, I guess, implication of doing this better by by looking at the data to make better, faster, more informed decisions has a direct impact on the business, but also by extension to the customers uh, and to a wider set or range of customers. Absolutely. Yeah, I think if you look at um, Vitality, it's a South African I, yeah. companies where it started. Yeah, Medical, ins- like an insurance company. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And um, so, but their whole approach to insurance is really data driven. Oh. And so whenever they sell a, a policy um, to a customer, they give them an Apple Watch. And, um, and there's other things that they give them as well. But from that watch, then they get, people get rewards. Yes. Um, if you exercise, you're going to get some points and you might be able to use it for airline miles or something like that. So every, every day you get rewarded for, um, you're going to the gym for having your heart rate go down for whatever different things it is. And, um, and then those rewards, um, you know, are sort of the daily nudges to do things better. And then at the end of the year, your premiums can go down if you've behaved well. But, but they also, I used to actually be a customer of Vitality because they also used to, you know, discounted gym memberships and, Right. But, but these are the feel-good yeah. things that you, because the, the main problem with insurance, any insurance, is that you you pay more in than what you get out. Is the feeling yeah. of it now? Now, obviously, it's not it's not you know a hundred percent right. But how people feel when they paying for something, you know that that emotion is is extremely important exactly. in, in the value important. that is perceived. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, I mean, what Vitality is doing is fantastic and, and, but it's all data driven, right? Okay. So it's, yeah, they're a really good example of a company who is using technology data to really, and to drive customer satisfaction um, and nudge on behaviors so that it's better for everybody. Awesome. So, so with, in, with that in mind, then this concept of InsurTech, insurance companies that like lemonade you know mm-hmm. um and people that are trying to do things different but different in a way that is cognizant of of addressing the kind of things we're talking about you know how do i make my customer feel better about the value that they get from insurance rather than just seeing it as something that is lost every year you know um not not necessarily life insurance, of course. I mean, we're talking more yeah. motor insurance, yeah. and but yeah. but I'm I'm generalizing. The context that I'm asking this in is the platform that you are building, um, and have built, sorry, and continue to mature. I believe, kind of almost fits in that insurtech thing, right? If if you weren't mm-hmm. a company that had the legacy that you have, it would quite easily fit into that innovative insurtech kind of vibe, right? I think it's fantastic. 
And I wish it would move faster um, because, um, you know, as I said, I um, really believe in insurance and I think it's a really valuable um, safety net, social safety net that we all need. Um, and, you know, the idea of it, it's sort of shared, right? You're, you're, you're sharing that risk across um, all the policyholders and, which is, you know, it's a, if you, if you really communicate it well and people, I think people like that, right. It's, it's, it's a, it's a good thing, but, um, but it's, it's just sort of old and stodgy. And, and as you said, it, it, people make, you know, you feel like I have to buy this automobile insurance, but it's really not going to be helping me. And, yeah. I think what InsureTech is going to push the insurance industry to do is to take a step back and say, well, we actually need to design products that meet the needs of people today, not just this is what we've always sold, so just buy it. But what are the actual needs that people have and how do we design products that are going to meet those needs? And InsureTech allows you to do My that. My expectation and the, the generations that from year on end will become even more so. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so I think it's, um, it's really important for the industry to recognize that we're ripe for disruption. And so I really welcome the InsureTech and I wish it would move faster because I think that we need that um, we need that push. That drive, yeah. Yeah. Because the, yeah. the passion and the energy and the the drive within those communities, the passion and the drive and is and the innovation coming out of these communities is inspiring. It's energizing. It is. You know. Yeah. Um, it's just new ideas, right? Yes. And that's what we all need. And and we all need to. And that's what excites everybody, right? It's or or that's the curiosity is getting those new ideas in and being open to having somebody say, why are you doing it this way? What if we did this? There's an alternative. Just, was, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, um, and yeah. an alternative that resonates with the masses because that's how disruption will come is, is when you think of something new or doing something, you know, in a, in a way that is different to the norm, but cognizant or in touch with how your buyers of today are looking to kind of, in, interact with your product or with your service or with absolutely. your company, then it takes off by itself, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. But, um, phenomenal discussion. I thank you so much for it, but I've got one last question for you. Um, and, and love of music cannot play it, <laughs> not by a long shot, uh, or any instruments, it, it, you know, anything like that. But, um, I, I do think that music is is and can and has for me played an integral part to when I do need to focus or, um, you know, when I want to be in a certain mood, um, you know, and do you have a song and an artist that brings, you know, a memory to mind and, and why? So um, the song that I, that is, probably most soothing to me. And I, and I, it's sort of my go-to when I just need to recenter myself is, um, amazing grace. Amazing. 
the Jordan Smith rendition of it. And um, and the reason for that is that my mother's name is Grace. Uh, and she was amazing. definitely amazing. So that is, I just, that song just centers okay, me. Perfect. Well, Pat, thank you for your time. Um, and I've really enjoyed this, this, this conversation. Thank you. I really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. Perfect. Well, until the next time, Pat. All right. Thanks. Bye. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed the show, then please like, share, and subscribe. Original music created by SolarKid, produced by Spotcaster at Boabalb, and branding by Victoria at Generic, a Moaxan company. <laughs>